Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, thank you. That's kind. I can put it down now. <laughs> Although I could do with the, the arm muscle moving. Um, <laughs> just to say, um, Richard was going to be here today, but he's actually at Lambeth Conference. He's my husband and also an ordained vicar in the church here. And uh, Lambeth Conference, if you don't know what it is, Catherine was uh, praying for in her prayers. It's every 10 years, all the bishops and archbishops from around the world uh, gather together. And he's there today offering uh, prayer ministry and arranging different connections between different parts of the world and doing uh, mission trips between them. So that's a really exciting thing. And he's there. Now, our wonderful, lovely new curate, James, was due to be giving his first sermons to you guys uh, today. But unfortunately, he's woken up this morning with a, a sick bug. So please do uh, pray for him, pray for the family that that passes through really quickly. Um, and what we're going to do this evening is we're going to watch his talk. He's filmed it this morning at the 6 p.m. service. And that's going to be our one service that gets live streamed today. So do check that out. And it'll be great to sort of um, listen to James. But we'll have him over the coming months uh, coming and speaking to us today. And often so much of a sermon is actually the interaction between us together as we look at God's word. And so we're going to look at that together today. And don't judge me because this probably won't be the best sermon you've heard because I wrote it two minutes before the 9.30 service started. But God is speaking to me more and more about just trusting in his abundance and trusting in his word. His word is true and good. And so there's lots that he has to say from us to it, from us, from it to us. So let's, um, let's dive in and have a look at Jonah chapter 2. I wonder if you can think of a time when you've been totally sure that you are right. But after a painful process, you realize that actually you were wrong. Anyone got any memories of being sure that they were right? And then finding out they were wrong. I have a very clear memory. We moved from Brixton in South London to Bristol when I was around 11, 12 years old. And um, I went, I made a new friend in Bristol. And I talked about how we came from London up to Bristol. And this new friend's dad said, no, no, you came down to Bristol. No. I came up to Bristol. And I remember, I think, in my head thinking, because, I don't know, we turned left on the M4 and it felt like the road went up, that we clearly went up to Bristol. And, and he was like, no, no, you went down to Bristol. Honestly, this went on back and forth for quite some time. And I realized suddenly halfway through kind of this back and forth that he wasn't giving up and that he was quite a lot older than me and that I was probably wrong. But at that point, pride set in. And I was not going to relinquish my position of truth. And so I was like, no, we came up to Bristol. Anyway, honestly, back and forth. I, I look on the map now, and they're kind, of, they're kind of in a line, aren't they? But Bristol is slightly lower than London. So technically, he was right. I went down to Bristol, not up to Bristol. Ever had one of those moments in life? 
You're all looking like you haven't. Are you guys right all the time? Oh, my word. Wow, here we go. In this story, Jaina has had one of those moments. She's been sure, absolutely sure, that God has got it wrong. That those Ninevites, their repentance will only be superficial. It won't really be real. And so there's no point going to them because they're going to ignore God eventually. And Jane is angry and he is totally sure that he is right. But like me, being up against my friend's father, or worse for him, he's up against God Almighty. And so we know how that's going to work out, don't we? We know who's right in this story. And it's a tricky one because I think that there's three things in Jaina that we're going to look at which stop him and hinder him from being part of God's mission. Three things that hinder him from being part of God's mission. And before we look at that, I think it's just okay to relax a little bit as we look at the story of Jaina. Because it's absolutely hilarious. It's hilarious because it shows so much of human nature in it. I mean, after all, this guy is the prophet of God. The prophets were there to speak God's words. That was his pure purpose, his job. And he's running away from his job. I mean, that's hilarious before we even get into, like, great big giant fish swallowing him and all of that stuff. I mean, it's utterly hilarious. It's a hilarious book. But in between the hilarity are notes of profound seriousness. And that's often the way it is with life, isn't it? And we're called as Christians to laugh at the bits that are funny and to relax a bit. And actually to be deadly serious then about the bits God calls us to be very serious about. So here we go, three things. So the first I've spoken about, and it's the main one, is pride. Our pride gets in the way of us being on mission with God. We think we've got it right. We think we know the way to go. Have you ever been so busy that you've not prayed that morning because you're too busy to pray? Because actually, you know what needs to be done, and you can do it better than God can. Anyone been there? I know I have. Pride gets in the way of us being on mission with God. And it got in the way for Jonah. You know, Jonah, um, he's on that, that boat, right? And the sailors, the storm comes up. And he realizes that the storm is God's kind of anger because he's ignored God. And he's like, he's, he kind of knows that he's the problem. Now, he could have done this. He could have said, oops, I've made a mistake, guys. Do you mind just turning around, taking me back to shore? so I can get on the right boat to Nineveh. He could have said that. That was an option at that point. But he chooses not to say that because of pride. No, 
just throw me overboard. Very melodramatic. Just chuck me into the sea because I still believe I'm right and God's wrong. And in that moment, they throw him over and he's swirling downwards. And I've been in times recently where I just feel like a bit out of control. And you're swirling downwards and hitting towards the death. In that moment, God's grace meets him in the form of a big fish. And the big fish takes on Jonah. And Jonah is saved from drowning. And you know how over the past few weeks we've been in Luke chapter 15, a lot if you've been tracking with us here at Christchurch, you'll know that we've been in the story of the prodigal son and the lost coin and lost sheep and we've been looking at these stories and we've been looking at the way in which God ridiculously goes after us even when we don't deserve it. When we hit rock bottom, he goes after us. The father spots the son and runs towards the son in a totally undignified manner and embraces the son. And with Jonah, who did not deserve it in any way, God is already there waiting to catch him just little bit before utter drowning rock bottom and scoops him up into the belly of the fish. But if you look at our passage today, do you realize what happens to Jonah as he's in the belly of the fish? Because what happens to Jonah is significant in terms of the reinstatement of him and, and it's significant in terms of the reinstatement of us too when we've gone too far and we've gone away from God and we've gone in the opposite direction from him. And this is what is significant You have to go, swallow the pride. God, you're right, I'm wrong. And as we read through this prayer, you see him going, in my distress, I call to the Lord. Have you noticed that in life? That's often the time where we pray at the most when we're about to hit rock bottom or or we just hit it. That's when we start praying the most, when we realize we cannot solve the issue in front of us. We cannot save our marriage. We cannot do our job. We're not sure how we're going to cope. When we hit those moments of distress, that's often the time we start communing again with God the most because we're desperate and our pride is finally winged down enough that we admit, God, I need to talk to you. And so in my distress, I called to the Lord And he answered me from the deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you listened, God, to my cry. You hurled me into the sea, but then you got me into the fish. You brought my life up from the pit when my life was ebbing away. That's when I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Finally, pride has been worn down and he chooses to commune with God. But the second thing that gets in the way, and it's linked to pride and I've mentioned it already, is arrogance gets in the way of us being on mission with God. Arrogance.
arrogance is where you think you're the person in the room who knows exactly how it should be. You're sat here thinking, I know how to preach a better sermon on Jonah too. You are probably right. Um, But arrogance is that assumption, that assumption that you know it all. And with his pride, Jonah's also taken on arrogance. He's thought that he knows the best plan for this mission, and it is not God's. You know, we live in a society where we have so much. God's abundantly given to us a lot of things. We've got our education We've got things about us. We've got creativity. We've got stuff we can do for God. But there are times, church, when we go ahead in arrogance, thinking we know how it should be done. We know the stuff that's going to bring salvation. We know what will make it better. And we have to be so careful at those points to just check Am I in step with the Spirit on mission with God? Or am I just doing stuff out of my own strength, my own cleverness, my own ideas? And you see, Jonah had an idea of the way the mission to Nineveh was going to go, and he'd already made up his mind that he was not going to listen to God. And I think I display my arrogance every day that I choose not to listen to God. Do you know how our prayers should go? Our prayers should go, yes, God. What's your question? Not, what are you asking me, God? I'll have a think about it and then I'll decide whether I say yes. Yes, God. Now, what's your question for me today? What are you asking of me? So pride, arrogance. The final thing Jana gets that gets in the way between Jana being on mission with God is just his lack of obedience. Just blatantly goes, that's the way to Nineveh? No. Off I go this way. And God goes, let's see how that works out for you. Um, It's just pure lack of obedience. He's actually heard God. He's one of those people who's heard God with clarity and still gone, nope. And we think, we think, oh, if I was Jonah, I'd have actually heard God, I'd be fine. The thing is, we have heard God. All of us have heard God. It's in here. It's in here. How is your obedience to the word of God? Because Those of us that are not obedient to the word of God are not going to be on mission with God. It's going to be a hindrance to us being on mission with God. But God's message, as we read this book of Jonah, is one of total love and grace. Because even Jonah has displayed pride, even though he's displayed arrogance, even though he's displayed lack of obedience, what does God do? comes alongside him. Oh, come on, Jonah. Come on. I'll rescue you with the fish. And in that fish, 
Jonah does the thing that's very significant that we need to do, and that's the repenting, because he suddenly goes, oh, yeah, God, you're God. And then he says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. He begins to realize the truth of the mission that he has been called into. Oh, yeah. Those who cling to worthless idols are going to turn away from God's love for them. I'm somebody who needs to go and tell them they need to turn away from those worthless idols and be enveloped in the love of God instead. And you'll remember as we looked at the prodigal son and the lost coin and the lost sheep that really what I was trying to say to all of us is we're on a level playing field in terms of our mess and our sin. It's not that you're more sinful than me or I'm more sinful than you. We're just, we're all, we've all lost our way from God. It's a level playing field. But that also this, it is a level playing field in terms of God's gracious, loving kindness that he pours out to you. That whatever you have done, whatever you have seen, whatever you're going to do tomorrow, he is graciously running towards all of us. And that's a level playing field. He's not running more towards Jenny because she's more amazing than me or more towards me than Jenny. He's running towards us the same amount. We've messed up the same amount, and he is running towards us the same amount. The only difference will be whether we will lay down that pride, lay down that arrogance, and lay down that lack of obedience, and say, oh God, I'm hungry for you. And it's those that will accept his embrace that's coming at us that are refreshed and washed in his love and set free to be on mission with him. Those that resist the embrace, God's still coming for you, but he isn't going to force it on you. And I think I'm just going to end by saying this. This story in many ways is a story about whether we can listen to God and accept what God says. The people of Nineveh had to listen to God and accept what God said. How are you doing at listening to God right now? Because the Christian life is one that's so exciting. It's so exciting to live in step with the Spirit where we're listening to God together. And you know, God is speaking all the time, primarily through this, but sometimes he'll also use pictures and dreams and visions and audible voices and miracles and all sorts of things to speak to us. When he does all that other stuff, it's never in contrary to this, but he's speaking to us all the time and we've lost a bit of excitement about it because like Netflix is more exciting (sighs) it's not (laughs) it isn't this is actually more exciting and I'm just going to share a story uh, from New Wine because it's a good one. Um, Pete Gregg was telling uh, this story of uh, during the pandemic, a guy who didn't know God at all, but God was going after. You see, that's the thing. God is even going after us. And we don't even know he exists. And um, 
God was going after this guy, and he, for his profession, was a tiler. He, he tiled things. And, um, and God was kind of going after him. And God went after him firstly in a dream. And in the dream when he was asleep at night, a man appeared and just tapped him on the shoulder. And as he tapped him on the shoulder, he had the sensation of waves of love flowing over his body. Waves and just waves and waves of love. And he woke up the next morning and he still felt these waves of love flowing after him. And so he turned to his wife and he was like, you know, this is, this is what happened. I had this dream and I just feel like there's just love like being poured out on me. And I don't, I don't know what it is. And she said, maybe it's God. And, um, and so he kind of went about. And then he was like, I just, I can't, even when he came home, he still felt these waves of love. And he said to his wife, I'm kind of, I'm wrestling at the moment because my friend has asked me whether I'll go in and open a shop with him and change course and I'll stop being um, a tiler. I'll go and open the shop. And I'm just not quite sure what to do. I'm not sure what the right thing to do is. And so his wife said this. She said, why don't you pray to God, to that man who's been tapping you on the shoulder in your dream. So the next day when he was tiling at someone's bathroom, he was um, just in the bathroom. He thought, well, I'll, I'll try this thing. Um, God, uh, please tell me if I should open a shop or whether I should carry on being a tiler. This time, not a dream, an audible voice came in the room. And the audible voice said, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 24. And he didn't know what that was. So he wrote down on the, on the wall, 1 Corinthians, it was okay because he was going to tile over it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 24. He got home, he took a screenshot of it, tiled over it, got home. His wife said, that's in the Bible. They found a Bible in the house. They opened the Bible and the Bible said this. There are difficult times, but brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God, should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Remember, this is early 2020. We're in a difficult situation, and the word of God has just told him to remain in the situation. We, we all know how it went, how difficult it was in the shop industry, and so he remained as a tiler and remained uh, financially viable through that season. But the back of that experience of course he started reading the word of God you see Jesus got him in a dream yes he was very blessed to have that powerful experience of the audible voice but the audible voice of God led him to the the word and then the person who is the word Jesus if like me you've never heard an audible voice before Do not think that that is greater than this. I mean, obviously, it's a wonderful experience. We'd all be excited. Some of us might not want that experience, might spook us out. But it's not more than this. And the story of Jonah is of Jonah learning to listen to the word. And so, shall we stand together? I'm going to pray.